You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We, uh, we started a series last week called First Things First. Um, the whole premise behind this is that as you read Scripture, as you, as you look at the teachings of Jesus, you see that there is priorities in life, um, that, that when it comes to different areas of our life, things um, need to be in the correct, in the proper order, in the right priority in order for them to function well. And so last week we talked about seek first the kingdom of God. Um, and this week, disclaimer, we're talking about money. Okay. Now I know that everyone's like, ooh, we're talking about money in church. Here we go. You're like, I'm, oh, I forgot something in my car. I need to walk out. Before you do that, all right, let me just, let me just clarify for a minute. Um, I, I hope and I pray that today would be a breath of fresh air. Um, this isn't, we intentionally haven't really taught a whole message uh, on money the last year. One, because there's so much baggage when it comes to money and when it comes to church, Right? Like you, you've been through, maybe you, you've, you had a bad experience with the church, you had a bad experience hearing a message about you, you feel like the church just wants your money. One of the reasons we don't even pass a plate here is because we never want someone to give out of obligation or of guilt. Like we have boxes at the door that you can drop off because we believe it's, a, it's an area of obedience in our life and it's between you and the Lord. And so I, I pray that as we go through this this morning that we would, um, our eyes would be open to see this in a fresh light because here's the reality. I was looking at some stats, um, and these are first quarter numbers from this year, from 2023, that the average American household debt is $165,000. That doesn't include mortgages. A hundred and six, I was like, this isn't right. I, I, like, I kept looking at different websites. I'm like, seriously? $165,000 on average Credit card debt, the average household has $17,000. 7,500 of that is revolving, meaning it doesn't get paid off at the, at the end of the month. 28,000 average of auto loans, 58,000 average student loans, and then a mortgage on top of that of an average of 2,000 or 223,000. The cliff notes of that is, as Americans, we're not very good with money. We, we were not. Like there, there, there's, there's a lot that you can see of we, we overspend, we, we are stretched out to the max. And here's the other perspective. If, if we're not good with something, then we need probably some wisdom, right? Well, what's great is that the Bible actually talks a lot about money. There's over 500 verses that talk about prayer, another 500 or so that talk about faith. You know, there's over 2,000 verses that talk about money or possessions, over half of Jesus' parables have to do with money and with treasures. So obviously, it's, it's important, right? It's obviously, it's, it's, if Jesus taught more about possessions than he did heaven and hell combined, then maybe we should take a look at God's word about what it says about how to manage our money, about how to steward what God has given us. I mean, what are the reasons for money? One, to meet the needs meet our needs, right? To meet the needs of others for, for our enjoyment. But one of the primary uses of money is for our worship, is, is to give back this, this act of, of surrender, of realizing that it is God who gave it to us in the first place. So um, 
If you have a Bible, be in, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We were there last week. Uh, we're going to back up a little bit. I kind of summarize this section, but we're going to back up and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. If you don't have your Bible with you or on your phone, it'll be on the screen. But let's jump in. Jesus is teaching. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, will also be. Verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Here's our, here's our verse right here, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Jesus says, hey, in your life, you're going to have one master. And what's interesting is, is you would think, okay, you're going to say, he's going to say, you can't serve God and Satan, right? You can't serve both good and evil. You, you can't serve something that's good and at the same time serve something that's not. But he says, you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Why, why is it that scripture is, is very clear about treasure? I think it's because... When it comes to money and possessions, this is where a lot of people get tripped up. This is where a lot of people make mistakes. And I saw this day one of college. Um, when I went to college, I was walking around. As a college student, you're broke. You have no money, um, except for that little card that lets you eat at the, at the dining hall, right? That God bless you, parents, for bring, bringing that for us. Um, but as I was walking around, people were talking about free T-shirts and free pizza. I'm like, First off, I love pizza. Who doesn't? Um, and so I kind of like take notice. These guys have clipboards and I'm walking around. They're like offering a bunch of free stuff. And I go over and they're, they, they're collecting people's information for credit cards. And I'm like, hmm, pizza? I don't, you know, I'm kind of waffling in my head. Like, do I, what, what if I just fill out the information? I don't get the credit card, but I get the free pizza and the free T-shirt. But like everywhere I walked around campus, these people were doing this. They were, they were trying to get, and there was a line of students willingly giving away their information for a box of pizza or a free t-shirt that cost $4. And I was like, man, why? why? And luckily, I had some people in my life that told me the, the pitfalls of, of this. Um, but the enemy wants us stuck. Like, think about it. What better way to get a young person in bondage then by the time they graduate from college, they've got two credit cards that started out as like, a, hey, I'm just going to get free pizza or I'm just going to use this to build my credit. Pretty soon they, they graduate with that. They graduate with some student loan debt. Over the course of the next three to five years, they, they, they get a job, but they, they try to live a life that their parents took 30 years to build because you kind of want to fast forward. You're used to the comforts of home, right? You're like, I want touchscreen this. I want smart everything. What do you mean I have to buy toilet paper? Like, that stuff's expensive, right? You know what? Like, all of the, the things that you don't think about. And pretty soon, they are stretched beyond their means. They've got debt to their eyeballs. And God presses on their heart to go do something, to move somewhere, to, to do something to advance the kingdom. 
And because they are enslaved to the decisions they made when it came to money and debt, they can't say yes. Right? It, it, it seems so subtle, but how devastating of results could it be? That's why we, 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 we talk to our students about money. We talk to our children about money. And here's, here's if you don't get anything else, get this today, all right? is that stewardship is not a money issue, it is a heart issue. We talk about this idea of, of stewardship. It is not a money issue, but it's a heart issue. What is, what is a steward? We use that word in, in church, we see it in scripture. A steward is basically a manager. If you just wanna kinda boil it down, it's a, it's a manager. Um, somebody who owned an estate or owned a, uh, you know, a, a big property or a castle or something, they, they didn't take care of the stuff themselves. They would entrust someone else to manage the affairs of the home, manage the, the repairs, the, the, the other servants or the other people that were working. It was basically the owner said, hey, I am entrusting my possessions, my house, my employees, everything into your care. Now, the owner still owns it, correct? The steward, his job was to manage it. Now, what we have to see is when we look in Scripture, uh, we see that, that every good and perfect thing comes from God, that, that all of our possessions, our ability to work. I mean, First Timothy says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Um, it's very clear. God does not need our money. And I think sometimes we've maybe heard a message or, or thought that way that this is just God wanting my money. God doesn't, God doesn't need anything from us. There's nothing that we could offer up to God that he's like, oh, thank you. I've been, I've been needing this. I've been short this month. You know, it's been, a, it's been a hard month, you know, creating all this stuff. No, no, no. God does not need anything. This isn't about us. It's about our hearts. God knows that the most important and the most challenging, like one-on-one, one-v-one for our heart is money, is possessions, is, is, is our stuff. And we have to understand that it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It, zoom out for a second and think about this. So many followers of Jesus have a hard time with this. But yet we can trust God with our children, with our marriage, with our eternity, right? With, with all of these other things. But when it comes to money, you're like, I'm good. God, I've got this one. I'm the expert. Why is it we could trust God with our salvation, with what we're going to do with all of our eternity? But when it comes to God's teaching on money, we kind of want to tune out. Wisdom says that we should see what God says, what his truth says, because really it's an issue of provision. Provider is God our provider. And if we, we believe that God is our provider, that he is the one that entrusts us with everything that we have, then we no longer see it as, it, well, it's just mine. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a money issue, it's a posture. It's a, it's a heart issue. Um, I, I kind of, I see this so much as a, as a dad sometimes, especially when my kids were, were little. Um, you know, you give them something, you make plates, you're about to carry them to the table and you try to let them be independent and they want to carry it and it's something that you're like, you're, you're going to spill this. 
right? They're like, no, 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 let me do it. Let me, me do it, me do it, as they're really little. Um, and and I, you know, like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. You're gonna, you're gonna drop it. And all of a sudden, they're like, I wanna do it. And they take it, and then they drop it, and then they're crying, and you're like, I told you, right? Like, this is what was gonna happen. When I said no, that's what I meant. I, I didn't explain myself fully, but what I meant was, you're gonna make a mess. And look, I've counseled people, I've talked to people that because of our, 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 our I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most stubborn people at times. We get stubborn and we want to do things our own way and then we get into a mess and we're like, God, where are you? And God's like, I was giving you advice all along about how to have a proper relationship when it comes to your money, about how to master it and not let it master you. Right? And so we, we've got to trust the Lord and see what he says. So we're going to go to one more passage and then three principles, and we're going to land the plane a little bit early today, and I say that in faith. All right. Uh, you shouldn't have laughed at that one. No, I was playing. Matthew 25, uh, if you have your Bible also, we're going to be in verse 14, and we're going to, there's three principles we're going to pull from this passage. It's a very uh, well-known passage. You've probably heard of it. It's the parable of the talents. Um, Jesus parable on possessions. And so we're going to take a look at this. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Notice that. He, he didn't give everyone equally. He, he divided it based on their ability. Then he left for his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant who had two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have, in, I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. That's not a good way to start out a conversation, by the way, right? I knew you're really harsh. Um, and honestly, as a kid, I find myself as the, the one person. I, I, I never wanted to spend money. I wanted to hoard it. I put it in a box. It was full of IOUs later because my, my siblings would borrow money. But I, I just, like, I, I didn't want to spend it. I just wanted to, to, to hold on to it, to just, I can manage it. I can take care of it. I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and uh, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, 
then why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered the money from his, uh, t- then he ordered, take the money from his servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. They will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man. All right, let's unpack this. First thing is this. The principle of ownership helps us to see it differently. I mean, in this, we, we see with our, our, our resources, with our finances, we see in this story, the, the principle of ownership helps us to see it differently. This was kind of a common practice. Somebody with a large estate, when they go and travel, instead of just you know, hoping things work out for the best, they would take their money and they would entrust it to trustworthy people in order for it to be kept safe, in order to return, have a return on their investment. But none of the servants said, thank you, and ran off to the countryside, right? They understood that, hey, at the end of the day, this money doesn't belong to me. It's a principle of ownership. C.S. Lewis said this, he says, every faculty you have, your power of thinking, your motive, uh, your moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by, you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, already his own. Everything that you and I have is from the Lord. Like that, that's, that's, I find that there is a very clear distinction between those that, that operate their finances in a way that is in line with scripture, the way that Jesus teaches us, the way that God's word teaches us, versus those that don't. And the dividing line is the fact of ownership, is whether or not we actually believe that God is our provider, that we actually believe that everything we have, God has entrusted us not to consume, not to just keep for ourselves, but we, we, we recognize that at the end of the day, this belongs to the Lord. Like this, this is not just my doing. This is not just mine. Like if you went to a wedding and they hadn't cut the cake yet and you wanted a slice, would you just walk up and cut the cake? Right? Instantly you're like, oh, they wouldn't, right? Like it's, it's not yours. I know you want some, but it doesn't belong to you. It's, it's not yours to begin with. You may be given a piece, but it's not yours. Um, when we, uh, Ashley and I, we, we did in high school, we graduated from college, and the very next weekend, we got married. Um, and I remember as senior year was winding down, we knew we were getting married. I knew that we were, you know, building a, a, a life and a family together. Um, but I also, at that moment, didn't have a job. And so I'm like, starting to, like, really freak out. I'm like, okay, God, like, I know I'm getting married. I know we have plans, but like, um, that stuff requires money. Like, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to buy food? How am I going to do all this? And this, this pressure started like weighing on me. And it was really through the beginning of college that, that her and I both were, were growing in our walk with Jesus and really started tithing and really started honoring the Lord in that way. And as a, as a broke college kid, you're like, well, $2 is actually my tithe for the month. So no, uh, but it's, you don't have a whole lot to manage. 
But I remember there, there wasn't a moment where God didn't provide. There wasn't a moment that my worrying actually fixed anything, but it was in the moments of continuing, hey, this is actually really hard, but God, as, a, as an act of, of worship, as an act of realization that you're the one who, who gave me this to begin with, I'm gonna give my first fruits, my, my first portion. It, we talk about tithing. It, it doesn't take a ton of faith to give our last 10%, but giving our first 10 actually requires faith. I saw God provide every step of the way and, and um, gave us jobs and allowed us to, to get married and, and continue to see God's blessing on our life. And so I'm gonna... Spare me this, but you're going to experience, this is my very basic, um, you're going to see the inner student pastor in me come out. This is my very basic way of illustrating tithing, okay? So bear with me, right? Um, tithing, we, we see this in the Old Testament. We see this uh, passed to, to Jacob through the law of Moses. We see it in the New Testament. We see this, this principle that um, as an act of worship, as an act of obedience, that we take the first 10% and we give it back to the Lord, right? Tithe means a tenth. It means that we, we recognize that God is our provider um, and we give him our 10%. Now you can see the difference here. Uh, I've measured this actually. Uh, this one fills up 100% of this. This one is actually 90. So if I measured correctly, hopefully, if not, this will be embarrassing. This should fill up Okay, there it is. <laughs> I didn't know how much was left. Right? 100%. This is what you bring home. This is, this is the money that you make. This is, this is what you, you have. And, and the mentality for, for most people is what I have belongs to me. And so we consume, except what's built, we consume 100%, right? This, this is on us. And, and 100% is more than 90, right? And, but this, this crazy thing happens that when we trust God, when we're obedient, that God says he actually does more with the 90% than he does with the 100. And so uh, bear with me. Let this represent God's blessing on our 90%. And we add the, the 90%. And do you know what happens? What's crazy is even in the book of Malachi through the prophet, it says that, that, that God provides for us and what happens is <clears throat> okay. The Bible says in Malachi it says actually it says to test me in this. Like God's word says God himself is saying hey, test me in this. Now this, if I fill all this back up, guess what? It's not going to fit. It says, actually, if you test me in this and you trust me in this and as an act of worship and obedience that you tithe, that you give, he says, I will actually bless you to the fact where it will be running over that you won't have enough to, to, to hold it. And what I'm saying is this isn't just like, this isn't a prosperity gospel thing. So please hear this. But this is about God's provision. And, and I can wholeheartedly say that in my life, I've seen God do more with 90% than I ever could with 100%. You know why? 
because it doesn't belong to me at the end of the day anyways. And when we truly have this posture of, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna trust that you provide richly for your children. Like, as a kid, I mean, as, as, as we had kids, like, and they'd get snacks, one of the things that I always did for the longest time was, like, you want one back, right? You want a pack of gummies. Like, we call it dad tax in the house. Uh, anyone else? Like, hey, they get a snack, they get... And so my kids kind of aren't dad tax. But you know the reasons that we started doing that? One, because I kind of want a bite of their gummies or their ice cream, let's be honest. Um, but one of the reasons we did that, even when they were toddlers, is because if they, like, gave them some goldfish or whatever, they're like, can I, was like, can I have one? They're like, no, I'm like... Excuse me? Who gave you the goldfish? Well, you did. So whose are they? Mine? No, let's reassess that, right? I wanted them to, to have loose hands, to understand it was, it, was, it was mom and dad who provided for you. And if we want a little bit back, you should be thankful to do that. And what God is saying is, hey, as an act of, of worship and as an act of recognition that, that I am your perfect provider, God says, hey, you trust me with 10% as a sacrifice of worship and see if I don't bless that 90% further than you could ever do anything with the 100%. So, second principle is this. The principle of accountability helps us to use it differently. The principle of accountability helps us to use it differently. It was generally uh, regarded that... uh, that uh, a talent was worth about 6,000 denarii. This was basically what they were entrusted with. Um, one of the talents was it would take a day laborer about 20 years to earn that much. So this wasn't just like, hey, here's 20 bucks. I'll be back in a couple of months. This was a lot of money. They, they understood that if they didn't do something wise with it, that they were gonna give an account that they have to give account of their, of their time, of their efforts. And each one was given according to his ability. It wasn't just all equal, but it was, hey, as they've been trustworthy with other responsibilities, they were given more. And the response, well done, my good and faithful servant, um, shows that he looked for, for good. It wasn't, hey, well done, my wise and cunning servant. Right? It, was, it was this faithful It was this accountability. Um, If you think about it, if you you average, if you do some math, right, eight talents were given. If you look at them collectively, eight talents were given, 15 were returned. Like there's a, that's a pretty good return for investment. But when the master came back home, he didn't, um, he didn't evaluate them based on the group. It wasn't the group project that the one didn't pull their weight and everyone else got the A and so he got the A too, right? It wasn't like that. No, he, he judged each one individually. Charles Spurgeon said, when, when we get to heaven and we stand before the Lord and we give an account, we're not gonna give an account of what our church did or what the organization did. We, we give an account of what we do personally. So it helps us to use it differently when we realize that we have to give an account. And then lastly, the principle of reward helps us to live it differently. The principle of reward. We realize that we are not owners, but we are just managers, that everything that we have is from the Lord. And we realize that we're gonna give an account. We, we, we treat that with a, like 
intentionality. We, we treat that with a lot of care. If your boss comes to you and gives you a big assignment, you're going to treat that with some kind of care, right? Because you realize that you have to give an account. But also there's a, there's a reward in this. God is not just trying to control us or trying to puppet us. He's saying, look, I created everything. I know the best way for life to function. I know the best way for you to have a relationship with your spouse. I know the best way for you to have a relationship with your money. I know the best way to have a relationship with your children. I know the, I know the best way for everything. And if you trust me, you don't just get a gold star. Like There's, there's reward for that. There's, there's blessing in that. There's recognition in that. Think about this. What better way for us as followers of Jesus to demonstrate to the world the message of the gospel than through generosity? See, mercy is us not getting what we deserve, but grace and generosity is getting what we don't deserve. And one of the greatest ways that we can show the world what we actually believe, that we were all once dead in our sin, we did nothing to earn it, but God showed us his grace through the death of Jesus on the cross that we can be forgiven of our sins. Like that's, that's if that's not generosity, I don't know what is. Giving us what we don't deserve. And when we say this, like when, when we operate God's ways, there's, there's margin and with margin, when we tie 10%, we save 10%, when we live on 80, we can be generous towards the world. That when there's a need, that we're not like, oh, I wish I would have set some aside. No, because we're, we're anticipating that we want to be able to say yes when there's a need. We want to be able to say yes when, when someone's having a hard season and we want to show them the visible love of Jesus and be generous towards them. That we manage things in a way that we can do that. I saw an article they, uh, years ago. They studied characteristics. Uh, they, they selected a group of 600 millionaires. I don't know how they got this group. Uh, but they, they found a group of 600 millionaires and they did personality assessments and, and looked at them and they found six characteristics that were consistent among these 600 people. There was a frugality, which I've heard that. Um, confidence, responsibility, planning, Focus, and then the last one was kind of intriguing. It was social indifference, meaning that they didn't succumb to the social pressure of having to buy the next thing or the newest thing. They, they, they didn't matter what everyone else was doing. They did differently because everyone else was just getting more and more in debt, and they're like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do things differently. Now, whether, whether or not they honor the Lord in this, I, I, I have no idea, but... If we want to have a biblical, healthy, kingdom-minded view with our possessions, with the things that God has entrusted us, we have to be willing to do things differently, right? I'll leave you with this last article I saw. It's actually a couple of years ago, and there's an update now, but um, I don't know everything about cryptocurrency. I have hardly any clue. But there's, there's, there's a bunch of them, but there was one that was based out of Canada um, there was like 155,000 people had, had kind of vested in this uh, cryptocurrency. It was estimated of $200 million were tied up in this. And the founder and the CEO of this cryptocurrency passed away. And with him 
was the key to unlock all of it. So when he died, he was the only person that had access with the key to unlock these $200 million of assets. And so everyone's like, what do we do now? They're out of luck. Now, recently there's development, money starts moving around, something happened, I don't know. They think he faked his death. But at the end of the day, when you and I stand before the Lord one day, we don't take anything with us. We, we, we don't get to take our possessions, our treasures here. And when we stand before the Lord, we're, we're going to give an account of how much we invested our treasure in heaven, not on earth. That's why we always talk about an open-handed posture. We realize at the end of the day, God, it's yours, you've given it to me. I want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You invested into the kingdom. You, you helped those that were in need. You used what I gave you to show people the message of the gospel through generosity and through grace. You were able to love people and invest into missionaries overseas. You were able to invest into the spreading of God's word into other languages that don't have the spoken word of God. Like we all want that. It begins with us having a healthy perspective of what that God says to manage our finances. This isn't just that the church is after your money. I, I care enough about you individually and personally in your family to have these conversations that it's time to say, hey, if what I'm doing isn't working, then maybe we need to do differently. We need to have a reset. It's not my stuff, God. I'm a, I'm a manager. I, I have to give an account. And God, in that, in the way of doing it your way, there's blessing and reward here on earth, but more importantly, when we stand before him in heaven. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us. God, that you've entrusted us with our the money that you've allowed us to manage, God, the, the talents and the abilities and the time and the relationships, God, you've given it all for us to manage. You've trusted us. And God, we want to we be trustworthy. And we believe that, God, when we prioritize how we spend, how we invest the way that your word says to, God, we believe that there's fruit from that. So Father, I pray that, that this message wouldn't hit any hearts with, with shame or with guilt, but Lord, to remind us that your mercies are new every day. God, that there's never a moment when we can't get on the right path, but God, that we would study your word and your principles, that we would have a healthy relationship with the things that you've allowed us to manage, to steward. Um, not just for our good, but God, for the good of those around us and to help be a part of your kingdom here on earth. So Lord, we love you, we honor you, and it's in your mighty and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.